Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos in Fermina Kim. According to a new Wall Street Journal report, the Russian government has threatened that it will seize assets of companies that withdraw from Russia and arrest corporate leaders who criticize the government. Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Procter & Gamble, IBM, and Kentucky Fried Chicken are among the corporations that have been warned. This move by the government comes after a spate of Western companies announced they'll be rolling back their Russian business or cutting ties off altogether with Russia. We're going to talk about what this means for the future of Western business in Russia. And with me to chat is Wall Street Journal reporter Emily Glazer, who broke this story. Welcome to Forum, Emily. Thanks for having me. So uh, tell us how you you got this information, how you broke this story to begin with. If we could just go back to that. Oh, yeah. This is like memories of an intense Friday night and weekend <laughs> that I was choosing to forget, but happy to. So first of all, my colleague, uh, colleagues Jen Maloney and Heather Haddon and I and our editor Marcelo Prince were working on this, um, you know, from Friday afternoon through the weekend. Um, and we, you know, as what often happens in journalism, we got a tip um, that was kind of broad that Russian prosecutors had indeed been threatening large Western companies. And in many cases, that was basically doing what they said they would do. Um, that Friday, the Russian prosecutor's office had said, you know, they would be moving forward um, with with some of these um, kind of threats. They said they would ensure that companies um, that are pausing or exiting operations would have to comply with the country's labor laws. So then our big question was, well, which companies and and what have they heard? And so we spent, you know, Friday night and all throughout the weekend trying to figure out which companies. And then we reported Sunday evening that those companies um, that did get threats from the Russian prosecutors included include McDonald's, IBM, KFC owner, Yum Brands. Um, And that's the threats could be anything from arresting corporate leaders there who criticize the government. Um, It could be seizing assets like trademarks of companies that withdrew from the country. Um, It could be 
um, you know, threats to sue the companies. So this is, you know, really, really serious stuff that we did not take lightly. Absolutely. We are talking to the Wall Street Journal's Emily Glazer about her new report on Russian threats to take punitive actions against companies that pull out of Russia or whose executives criticize the government. Do you have a question uh, for Emily? Has the company you work for pulled out of Russia? Would you support a business that continues to do business in Russia? And how has your view of Russia changed as the Ukraine crisis continues? You can give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or you can get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. You can also email questions to forum at kqed.org. So, Emily, I'm curious, like, the threat of arresting executives who criticize the government, um, do you believe that that is specifically related to people within Russia or if executives of these companies outside of the Russian borders are, you know, reported to do that as well? Like, how are the people on the ground there thinking about these threats and how they should react? I think it's really more so for folks on the ground there. We reported that companies have moved to transfer executives out of Russia. So this is very serious. Um, You know, companies that might have certain people named on official documents, for example, might feel that they're at um, intense risk. Uh, You know, warnings have prompted at least one of the targeted companies to limit communications between its Russian business and the rest of the company because there's concern that emails or text messages among colleagues might be intercepted. So um, I think it's the most for folks that are on the ground there. But because in many cases, these are huge multinational companies trying to figure out what's going on. The rules of the game are changing. You know, as we speak, we're, we're still trying to figure out what's going on and what's the latest. And um, and I think there is a lot of concern for folks on the ground there. Um, if a company makes a strong statement or if a CEO then follows up with that on, you know, whether it's their support for Ukraine, condemning Russia, um, withdrawing or suspending operations, we've seen, you know, a different flavor of these announcements from believe it's now more than 400 companies, according to Yale School of Management, Jeffrey Sonnenfeld, who's keeping up with that analysis. Um, You know, the Russian government is following that too. Um, I will add that we had reached out to um, the Russian embassy in Washington for a comment. Um, they didn't respond to that on Sunday and then later said that our article was fake news. So right. I wanted to get to that. There's also that. Yeah. I mean, what does that response tell you about, you know, what, where the government is coming from and, and their concerns um, right now is, you know, we just laid out in the rest of the hour this military offensive is not going as well as planned and the, and the rest of the world has largely united against Russia. Well, first, I'll just say uh, I've spent more than a decade working at the Wall Street Journal, and we have extremely high standards for what we will publish. And um, we stand by our reporting, and we always give people or companies or individuals that we name a heads up and and a chance to comment. And um, so I just want to mention that on the front end. Um, I think that as I chat with different CEOs, you know, board members, executives, and others, that's really my coverage area are business leaders. And 
this is both unprecedented and also they compare it to things they've seen in the past with countries like Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the pandemic was unprecedented and countries had to quickly evolve and have, you know, make a lot of very quick changes in an evolving situation. And while what's going on right now with Russia and Ukraine is, is hard to compare to anything precisely, I'm hearing a lot of that where um, CEOs and their boards and, you know, the management teams are trying to figure out what's going on on the ground. It's all changing very quickly. Putin is hard to predict. And, you know, many of these companies have thousands of employees there. I will add that a number of the companies that have said they're suspending or withdrawing really have very small operations there. So it's not a big risk to them. So I I just think that's important as well. Um, But these Russian prosecutors are making very legitimate threats and a lot of folks are trying to figure out what to make of that. Absolutely. I want to bring in a caller. Alex from Menlo Park is on the line. Alex, go ahead. Hi. Yeah, Um, I'm just calling. I appreciate the conversation and everything. Um, I guess it's, it's more of a broad comment, but one thing I'm trying to be mindful of is, is um, you know, separating what the actions of Putin and a select few are doing, right, and then the uh, indirect blowback and the consequences on, like, the Russian people, right? Mm-hmm. I think one thing we as Americans do need to keep in mind um, are that, you know, Putin and, and, and certain military actors are, are separate from uh, a majority mm-hmm. of the Russian people who I think are, are against the military actions that are happening. Um, so how do we as Americans and American companies, American government and everything do things, uh, you know, kind of with heart and balance to 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 kind of keep that fact in mind? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Alex. That's a great question, Emily. And also. This is happening even as we see some media organizations pull out because of the threat. Mm-hmm. So, like, balancing that, too, like, how do we even know the impact on the Russian people? Right. Well, I think, um, Alex from Menlo Park, thank you. And you bring up a really interesting point, which is that a number of tech companies um, or social media companies, Facebook is one or Meta in particular, that's that they're saying, you know, we're not stopping. We feel that we're trying to get the truth out and um, are thinking about people in Russia and what kind of access or information they have access to. And so even though Facebook has also been threatened by Russian prosecutors, it has not said it's withdrawing or suspending operations. And I've talked to other tech company leaders that have said similarly, you know, they may have stopped doing business with Russian-owned entities um, or state-affiliated enterprises, but feel very strongly about continuing work with, you know, nonprofits or NGOs in order to keep the factual information flow going Um, and have specifically mentioned like the average Russian people and Russian citizens when they're thinking about that. I'll also just mention a company like Pepsi said, you know, they're suspending certain operations, but they also have, you know, a dairy business that makes baby formula. And um, we reported, you know, at least right now, they felt that suspending that would be hurtful to the Russian people. So there's a there's a wide range. Yeah. Um, A listener asked, you kind of answered this, but is Russia big business for these brands? Uh, Will it affect their bottom lines? And will that in turn mean higher prices for us? We're, of course, talking about this a lot, Emily, around oil prices. But um, do you think that any of this has could have an impact on other countries and and their bottom lines, essentially? Mm -hmm. I would say, broadly speaking, for the most part, a lot of the companies have said that they're suspending or withdrawing their operations in Russia does not dramatically impact those companies' bottom lines. In fact, it's pretty negligible. Um, that's not every company. Right. So again, like take that with a grain of salt. There are certain companies that have 
far bigger businesses in Russia. Um, I think that energy and oil prices are the biggest example that come back to that kind of have that global impact. Um, but what I hear a lot are that the supply chain challenges that already existed are exacerbated by what is going on with Russia and Ukraine. And that is having an effect already on materials and supplies and pricing of those um, materials and supplies. It might be a little harder to parse out particularly what is impacted by the, the, the war in, in Ukraine and what is what Russia is doing. Um, but that's something that I think consumers can keep an eye out for, though it might not have that same like one-to-one impact where you could just see the gas prices <laughs> rising every day. Yeah. Uh, so it's not quite the same. Absolutely. Do we know, I mean, Russia obviously has been very um, aggressive in going after internal dissension. Um, and, you know, we've seen this over the years as well in other countries. Is there any sense of whether, you know, an arrest of a American official or a business official would, you know, bring any sort of retribution reaction from the American government? Like, do we know how the U.S. government views this type of threat? Hmm. Um, well, I know that we have said, you know, uh, I think it was the White House press secretary, uh, Jen Psaki, tweeted last week that, you know, if Russia were to seize assets of companies, um, it would result in what she called, quote, even more economic pain for Russia, end quote, and, and that it might involve legal action. Um, when we reported our article um, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, which is basically, you know, the Business Trade Association um, in Washington, D.C., said they were monitoring the situation. We haven't really seen much more specifics than that, but I would say this is all still like playing out in real time. So that's that's a big question. Absolutely. You're listening to Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos and Fermina Kim. We're talking to The Wall Street Journal's uh, Emily Glazer about her new report on Russian threats to take punitive action against companies that pull out of the country. Um, just uh, eight minutes or so left in the hour. So if you have any questions, give us a call. Let us know. Do you have uh, do you work for a company that's pulled out of Russia? And how do you feel about how, you know, business, private businesses and uh, Russian involvement since this war began. You can give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. You can also email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Uh, Emily, one listener wants to know if companies pull out, does that mean that employees of those companies lose their jobs? Um, I assume they're talking about Russian employees. That is a great question. So again, I would say each company is doing something a little bit differently. Um, in some cases, uh, I believe it's McDonald's has said, um, I'm just checking this as we look because I want to have factual information here. Um, they have something like uh, tens of thousands of employees uh, in Russia, 62,000, and that it would continue to pay those 62,000 people that McDonald's employs in Russia. I would say that's probably one of the companies that has the most employees and also committed on the record to paying them. Um, every company is a little bit different. And I will also add, it's hard to pay employees right now because of what's going on. That's something that we're hearing 
um, board members, C-suite executives, advisors are figuring out how do we even pay these employees? How do we get money over? So um, some companies just said they're suspending or withdrawing and do not add information on whether or not they're paying. And uh, I will say we are certainly asking about it. But McDonald's is one that really stands out to me on that front. Well, and that raises an interesting question, Emily, which is, you know, the point of the broader uh, economic sanctions by the U.S. and the West are to put pressure on Putin via the people of Russia, right? I mean, nobody thinks Mm -hmm. Putin is going to go hungry um, in the Kremlin. So uh, is that a balance? And and do you think, you know, corporate leaders are thinking about that as well? Or are they mostly just concerned with sort of, you know, their company and their employees? I think that corporate leaders are concerned about everything. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard the buzz, the algorithm that some say is buzzy ESG, environmental, social, and governance factors, which are at the forefront of, I would say, almost every CEO I talk to. And ESG fits a lot into what's going on with this war right now, too. The S stands for social and certainly war fits into that. Um, And I think that employees are asking their leaders, you know, what is going on? Why are we, if if the company's still in business there, why is that? Um, And and in some cases demanding, pleading to leave um, or to stay for for a whole host of different reasons. And I think the geopolitical concerns have always been a really big part of CEOs' jobs. But anytime there's war, that just puts everything in a completely different context. And then I would say even more broadly, I hear a lot about how companies are just evaluating business in Russia in a different way for years to come, Mm. given the economic instability and the expectations that the conditions will probably be volatile for some time. And also figuring out, yeah, that will that will and and certainly um, can impact the Russian people. So how do they want to handle all of that? It's really complicated. And I don't think anyone that we've talked to, and I would say dozens of CEOs and companies, um, it's not like an on-off switch. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot of different conversations. Absolutely. Um, I'm curious if you have any sense about the employees of these American-owned companies in Russia. Are they worried about their safety? Are their CEOs and executives worried about the safety of their employees? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would. <laughs> um, I think it. You know, most CEOs that I've talked to the first thing they say is employee safety. Now, we saw a lot of what was going on with companies that had employees or contractors in Ukraine and those ongoing efforts to evacuate those employees. Um, uh, Like I mentioned, we're hearing something pretty similar going on in terms of employees um, in Russia and, um, and how companies are working to extricate those employees. And I think that is, um, in many cases, happening in real time. Absolutely. How, uh, what's next for you and your reporting, Emily? How are you going to continue to follow this? And what are you kind of watching out for in the coming days? Um, So my editor would get mad at me if I explained everything we were doing. But what I can say is, um, we are trying to figure out uh, a really big thing, which is, um, you know, the Russian prosecutors threatened to seize the assets of these companies, including trademarks. What does that even look like? Um, If Russia tries to nationalize any of these companies, how do they try to do that? When what we reported, you know, over the weekend and then continue to update um, yesterday, 
uh, right. It is Tuesday. Sorry. Yeah. What's it? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Which is, which is that, um, you know, there it's really complicated. If, if Russia were to take over these, um, companies, you know, let's say they take over a McDonald's and they say, you know, we're making hamburgers and French fries. Well, what happens when the products run out? Do yeah. they keep making those burgers and fries? Do they taste a little different? Who's running th- these operations if the executives aren't there anymore? So I think there's a lot of questions. And again, all those are speculations around if this happens. Um, but, uh, I think that's something that we're certainly following and a lot of companies are are figuring out, you know, what um, what their rights are, what what's going on with the Russia, with the courts in Russia, what their laws are um, and right. how they can protect themselves. Awesome. Emily Glazer of The Wall Street Journal, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. That is going to do it for this hour of Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos and Fermina Kim. We'll be back tomorrow. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising-Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.